Have you ever had a new perspective on something that kind of changed the way you thought about it? Maybe a new perspective on a, a situation or a person. You know, you kind of get that, that bit of missing information that's like, oh, you know what, that, that changes how I view this now. That changes my thinking. I mean, it just changes everything. You know, perspective can really mean everything a lot of times. How we look at something, what our perspective is, uh, determines what we think, how we feel. You know, have you ever kind of gained a new perspective on something, then you realize that maybe you had feelings that were unwarranted? You kind of like, maybe I've wasted a lot of time being upset, and now that I have this new perspective, maybe I'm not upset anymore, and I realize I never really should have been. Well, that in many ways is what God does with us is he gives us an entirely new perspective on things. But the difficulty is sometimes we don't want to see that new perspective. Sometimes we like dragging the old perspective in and trying to link it up with our new life and it just doesn't make sense. And a lot of times we get frustrated in that because we're trying to make sense of life and we have a new life that God has given us, but we have an old perspective and we're trying to make the two mix. And it's like oil and water. And for a while, you know, we can shake the bottle really hard and pretend that it's mixing. But the instant we stop, what happens? We start to see them separate again. Because God has given everybody in Christ new life. And so, as we continue through 2 Corinthians, one of the true treasures of the faith that we have in Christ is a matter of perspective. What we see. What we know to be true. We no longer see the world like we did before. We no longer see people like we did before. And I mean, as we just sang, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Now, you know, the, the basic biblical identity for us is the word slave. A lot of people don't like that, but it really is. It's just a matter of what are we a slave to? Am I a slave to fear and to sin? Or am I a slave to God and to righteousness? See, Paul saw himself as a slave to righteousness, that, that he was indebted and, and had to follow this. Now, within that, he found joy and he found freedom. But we don't like that word slave in our culture today because of every, the baggage that goes with it. But at the end of the day, the perspective that we need is that which God gives us. That is where freedom comes from. And so Paul shows us how this perspective changed for him. So look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16, and he says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So what Paul shows us here is how much he says, even for him, his perspective on things, on life, on people has changed. It's no longer what it once was. And this is one of the major parts of Christianity that we, we will have to come back to over and over and over is that there is a matter, a, a radical change that happens when we come to know Christ. There is a change in who we are. There is a change in how we perceive the world and how we perceive ourselves. There is a change in all of our perspective on life that, that happens because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so that leads me to ask, what is your perspective? Paul tells us what his is. He says, from now on, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Now, as we read that, I want you to know that that is a radical statement. We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Paul is admitting that there was a time in his life where he himself looked at Christ in one way, and now it's something completely different. And because that change happened, he says, I don't see anyone the same now. Now, can you say that for your life? That because of the work that Jesus Christ has done in your heart, do you have a perspective that is now different on every single person in your life? That's a tough statement, isn't it? I mean, that's not just an easy, oh, yeah, sure, you know, yeah. Totally get where Paul's at right here. No, what Paul is saying is that he has been so radically transformed that the way he views all of life is now different. And so the word, we're going to do a bit of a word study here. When he says we regard no one according to the flesh, that word regard in the Greek is the verb form for the word to know. So he's literally saying, I don't know anybody according to the flesh anymore. What I know about them, how I process it, how I, how I think about them, how I value them, how I know them is no longer according to the flesh. Now, what does he mean according to the flesh? He means according to what I see, according to what I hear, according to what I experience through the five senses. That no longer defines reality for me. He says, I regard no one that way. I want you to think for just a moment how radical that is that he can say every single person that I encounter now, I now think of differently. I've come to know Christ. I once regarded Christ, knew Christ in this manner that was according to the flesh. And who was Paul when he knew him according to the flesh? He was a murderer. <laughs> he was filled with anger. He persecuted the church. He approved of killing Christians because they disagreed with him. That's who he was. Sounds like our world today, right? He was of the world. He was of the flesh. He says, but no longer. And now he regards people. He knows people at a different level. That doesn't mean that he approves of sin. It doesn't mean that he accepts all behaviors. And he just says, I, I process it differently now. I now regard people differently in my life because it is according to the Spirit. And where he says, I once knew him this way, 
he uses in the Greek what is called the perfect tense, which is an amazing thing that English really doesn't do. But when they use that, it means it demarks a, a, a line where there is an action that happened in the past, but it has continuing results. And so he's saying there is this moment in his life where everything changed and it's still affecting everything to this day. Well, what is that moment? It's when we get saved. It is the moment we know Jesus Christ and we allow him to be Lord of our lives and we accept and put our faith in him that we are born again and the Holy Spirit indwells us. We become a new creation as he's about to talk about and everything changes. Now, some of you may be listening to me and you're like, okay, I've been saved, but I still struggle. Well, when I say everything changes, that doesn't mean that we immediately accept that change or even understand that change or even live within that change. We can still choose to live in the old perspective, even though God has given us a new one. It's all a matter of what we embrace in life. And so when I ask, what is your perspective, it's not just have you been saved, but are you continuing to live within the work that God has done and is doing in your heart? Are you embracing that new perspective? Because what I'm going to say is the carnal perspective where he says we regard someone by the flesh, that has to come to an end in our lives. And Paul says it has for him. What does he say? He says, I regard no one according to the flesh. That carnal perspective has to end. Now, that's not an easy journey, okay? Once we're in Christ following the Spirit, there's a real change that takes place where the gospel is at work. It brings an entirely new understanding of God and of the world. It brings light to darkness and gives sight to the blind. And there is a clear line of change in our life But thinking has to change with it. And sometimes our thinking is oftentimes behind reality, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about there? Sometimes our thinking has to catch up to what really is. And so God tells us, hey, you're a new creation. And we're like, yeah, what does that mean? I mean, I know I've got heaven. I know I've been born again, and I know I'm going to heaven when I die, but I'm, I'm completely new because, you know, I don't feel completely new. My back still hurts. I'm still aggravated by the, you know, things that I was aggravated from before. So what is new? Well, this is what's called the process of sanctification. This is where we grow in Christ and learn how to become what we've already been made. Now, listen to that again. It's where we learn how to become what we've already been made. You see, we've been made a new creation, but we don't always live like it. And so now it's a process of learning to set our minds on the things of the spirit rather than on the things of the flesh. And of course, we're surrounded by temptations every day in this world to set our mind on the things of the flesh. Our own minds, our own flesh will tell us this is what's real. And we'll believe it many times where God tells us, no, this is what's real. And there's kind of this battle that goes on. And and so this radical change that happens, it's got to go beyond what I'm going to say is our own personal therapy and goals. Okay. When I say therapy, I mean, a lot of people come to God and it's just about, you know, God, I need to be happy. 
I'm unhappy with my life. And, you know, that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it's definitely the right place to go if we're unhappy with life to go to God, the author of life, and say, God, I want it fixed. But quickly we'll realize that when we start engaging with the eternal, life gets much broader and things get much more important and bigger than just my own personal therapy of, God, I need more. We start to engage a much bigger picture, and we start to realize that sin itself runs much deeper than just a few bad behaviors. We start to realize, like, wow, God, I'm, I'm messed up. I've got problems, God. Did you know this, God? You know, when I signed up and I, and I asked you to be Lord of my life, did you know that this was this bad? And he says, oh, yeah, it's worse than you think. But don't worry, I got it. I know exactly who you are, and that's why my son died for you. And we start to run into that. And so as this change starts to take place in our lives, we start to learn what it is to submit to the Spirit of God in life, even though we don't understand it. Listen to Romans 8, 5 through 8. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Wow. Paul just made that line very clear. What do you if your mind is set on the flesh, you cannot please God. You see what he's saying is that this change in perspective is so important that if we don't adopt it, if we don't start thinking spiritually about life, we're not we can't even please God. We can't walk with him. We can't know him. This change has to happen. And so I want to ask the question today is where is your mind now? Is your mind set on the things of the spirit? Or is your mind set on the things of the flesh? Now, I don't say this in any kind of condemning way. or This is an honest question that we have to ask ourselves quite regularly. Because yesterday, your mind may have been really focused on the things of the Spirit, and today, it's really focused on the things of the flesh. Ten minutes from now, you may be super spiritual, where right now you're not. Now, how do we know what we're doing? There is a test. What did he tell us? He said, the mind on the flesh equals death, does not submit to God, and cannot submit to God. Now, let's just all raise our hands on this one, okay? We all know inside when we're being rebellious, right? Now, let's have a really more moment of honesty. How many of us kind of enjoy that moment of rebellion? I'm going to do what I want. It's my life. Now, we'd probably never do it straight to God, you know, and shake our fist at God. and God, I'm going to do it. But, 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 you know, let's just be honest. We kind of like being a little rebellious at times. We like asserting ourselves. And, you know, sometimes maybe when we're rebelling against something that's out of place, that's a good thing. But we just like, in our human nature, rebellion. We do. 
And a lot of times we pass it off as, well, art. Art's about rebellion, right? It's about breaking the rules. And when, when, you know, it comes down to it in so many ways. It's just because, what does Paul say? It does not submit to the law of God and it cannot submit to the law of God. At the end of the day, sin is just about rebelling against God. And if we don't understand the difference between a mindset on the flesh and a mindset on the spirit and the rebellious nature of the human mind, then we can get that all twisted up. So the test is simply to look at your life. What does it say? It says the mind on the flesh is death. It does not submit to God. How readily do you submit to God's law, to God's ways? If God convicts you and says, hey, this needs to change, how much do we argue with him? The more rebellion in our life, the more focused we are on the things of the flesh. It's that simple. It's, you know, there's a a billion different ways that it can manifest itself. And so that's why legalism never works, because you can't write a list long enough to avoid being rebellious against God. There aren't enough rules in the world to keep a heart from lusting after the things of the flesh, from being rebellious. There's not a rule in the world that can make that happen. And so when he says the mind on the flesh can't submit to God, we just have to look at our own selves. If we have the proper perspective and we see the things of God as life, then we see submitting to God as bringing life. And what does he say? He says mind on the spirit is life and peace. Now, that doesn't mean that when I submit to God, all of my problems will go away and I have no struggles in life anymore. That is not what that's saying. It is life and peace. It means that I am at peace with God and with his ways. Even if his ways get me into trouble in the world. Paul understood that. He got in trouble everywhere he went. Every town he went into, he was run out of for for the most part. Everywhere he went, people were opposed to his message and opposed to him. And yet, was, was Paul distressed by it? No. He was at peace. Because he knew he was doing God's work. He knew he was doing what God wanted him to do. And so he was at peace in his spirit. And so I ask, what is your perspective? Do you look at life through the spiritual lens? And by submitting to the spiritual, do you get life in peace? Or are you in rebellion trying to assert yourself and you're never at peace, and you don't feel like you have life, and it's like everything's always a struggle. Deep inside, you can't ever make sense of anything. You might need to see your perspective may be one that is set on the flesh. And you're trying to make your life make sense according to what makes sense to you instead of according to God's Word, instead of according to His will. Because... How we set our mind on the things of the Spirit. You know, I asked, what is your perspective? Is your mind set here? So how do we do it? How do we make that turn and set our mind on the things of God? Well, one, look at what you consume the most. What do you consume in life? Is it the things of the world or is it the things of God? What do you consume the most? Do the things you consume from God bring life and peace to you? And you think, you know what? This world's crazy. It's out of control right now. But you know what? I got a God on the throne 
and he's going to take care of me, I'm okay. I'm okay. Or do we consume everything the world throws at us, which is designed to make us fearful, and we live in fear and anxiety and, and stressed out all the time, and then we're like, God, why won't you fix everything? You see, this is where our perspective has to change because if we consume the world constantly, and I mean this, we just consume the world, we consume the world, and that includes all the politics, all the media, everything that the world throws at us that wants us to be afraid all the time, if that's all we're consuming, and then we're bringing it over to God, and we're like, see, God, how bad it is? Do you see how bad it is, God? Fix it. Fix it so I'll have peace. Our perspective is on the flesh, and we're trying to force God to see the world like we do. Where God is saying, no, I want you to see the world like I do. He says, you come over to me, and we consume the things of God where he says what? He says, hey, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I am God. There is none higher than me. And he says, you know, the scripture tells, hey, who is man? He's a, he's a vapor. He's a, he's a whiff of air. Here one day, gone the next. I'm eternal. Put your faith in me. Trust in me. And we say, okay, God, I'll do that. I'm going to trust in you. And then we look at the world and we say, yeah, that's kind of messed up. But you know what? It's all going away. I'm going to worship what's eternal. Do you see the difference in foundation? Instead of demanding God change all of this, we look at it and say, oh, God's already won. And so God, help me as I have to navigate through this stuff. God, help me to be faithful to the truth. Help me to be faithful to you. Help me to live by your peace and your life that you give so that this stuff doesn't rule my heart and I get the wrong perspective. Because there's an amazing promise within this. As Paul says, you know, we regard no one according to the flesh anymore. Then he follows it up with a statement of fact that many of you probably have written on your wall. You've probably memorized it. What is it? It's 2 Corinthians 5.17 where he says what? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Such an amazing, amazing promise. It's not just a promise. It's a statement of fact. But that only helps us if we really believe it. If we believe in our heart everything's going to be new, then we can get stressed out right now waiting for us. Like, God, when is this going to happen? When's it going to happen? God, make life better. Make it better. Make it better. And, and we, we get stressed out and anxious. He doesn't say it's going to be new. What does he say? If you're in Christ, you are new. Everything has been made new. Now, the awesome thing there is he just says everything. How many of you feel like everything's been made new? That's right. We don't feel it, right? Why not? Because our perspective still has too much worldliness in it. Because we're still dealing with, with, with sin. And it's no condemnation. I understand. Paul tells us in Romans, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So God is not upset. He is not uh, disappointed in the fact that none of us completely feels this right now. It's expected. But there is a hard and fast truth of good news that we need to anchor our soul to, and that is that everything is new. 
God started over in Christ. And when you come to Jesus Christ, you are made new in every possible way. Every possible way. Which if you really hadn't even figured yourself out in the old way, then when you become new, guess what? you got a lot to learn. And God's going to introduce you to your new self. This is who you are. But we don't just inherently know it. You know, it's not like he becomes new and we get this, you know, total knowledge of who we are now and everything about ourselves that's new and, and what God expects. We have to learn that. We have to grow into it. And we can only see and experience this through the Spirit of God. We can't force it. We can't, you know, white knuckle it. And it's like, okay, I'm going to learn as much as I can. I'm going to make this happen. It only happens through submission to the Spirit of God. It is an objective truth, but a truth that remains hidden unless revealed by the Spirit. Which means every day that we walk with God and we submit to His ways, what is it? It's life and peace. That means we learn more and more. Every act of obedience to God, every act of submission to God brings us that step closer to knowing who we are and who He is in that way that in which we can say, yes, everything has been made new. Where we can sing, as we did earlier, and, and truly sing it and know it, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because I'm a child of God. And we can learn more and more of what that means. And that's why Paul tells us that he regards no one according to the flesh anymore. Like, he doesn't even make his judgments about people based on his old perspectives. Why? Well, what's one of the perspectives that would change? Immediately, for a person who comes to know Jesus Christ and is born again, what's one of the things that would change immediately is we would start to see other people through the eyes of God, meaning we would see their inherent worth as other people who were created in the image of God. See, one of the things that would immediately change is we'd start to see God in people around us. Amen? If God saved me, then, hey, I, he wants to save everybody. Why does he want it? Because everybody's created in his image. And we start to see the beauty of what God has done in this world, in his creation, because we see God in everyone. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't call sin what it is, because sin mars the image of God, and we want to move away from that, and we want the image of God revealed in each person at the highest possible level. So God is glorified, and the more God is glorified, the, the more joyful we are. But our perspective immediately changes on that and we start to see like, hey, everyone's created in the image of God. Everyone. That means we're all equal. That means I don't get to hate anyone because everyone is created in the image of God. Guess what? New perspective, new life. Now all of a sudden these divisions that the world wants to throw at us, they don't work anymore because, hey, I see us all as having value. I see everybody as important. And so Paul's statement here about everything being new, it's not just revolutionary, but it's personal. This is a very personal statement. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. 
The old is gone. Just like the caterpillar becomes a butterfly, a person in Christ becomes a completely new creation. When you accept Christ, the moment the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you are no longer what you were. At every conceivable level, you are now a new creation. See, he doesn't just say, hey, you've been remodeled. He doesn't say, hey, it's just been renovated. He doesn't say, hey, yeah, if anyone is in Christ, he became a better person. What does he say? He says, no, God started over. You are a new creation. Now, how would that change our daily life if we started with that perspective every day? And I'm serious about that. We started with that perspective of, you know what? I'm not what I used to be. And I can look back and know this is how I used to be. I'm not that anymore. I am not that. And I don't have to feel that way anymore. Because I'm a child of God. I mean, the song was perfect today for this because it's, it really is the truth on that. I'm no longer a slave to fill in the blank. What's your blank? I'm no longer a slave to sin, to fear, to anxiety. I'm no longer a slave to materialism, to greed. I'm no longer a slave to lust. I am now a child of God. My identity is in Christ not in my failures and not in my abilities, not in my successes. My identity is in Christ. And you see, this is a perspective that only God can truly give, but when he gives it to us, it changes everything. So this is why Jesus said what he said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. I want us to look at this really fast. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night, which in John means his intentions were less than noble. He came at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that seems like a really random answer, right? Hey, I know you're with God. I know God's with you. You couldn't do what you're doing if God wasn't with you. No, you can't see. You don't even see what you think you see unless you've been born again. You see, Jesus tells him his perspective's all wrong right here. He starts trying to compliment Jesus like, I know God is with you because of what I see happening. And he's like, no, if you're not born again, you're not seeing God. So he's telling him even in what he thinks is God isn't God. His perspective is wrong. And Nicodemus, again, completely misses this. Verse 4, it says, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now, later in this discussion, Jesus kind of rebukes Nicodemus, and he's like, you're a teacher of Israel, and you don't even understand this? You see what he means by that when he's like, you're a teacher? He says, you teach spiritual things, but you don't even understand spiritual things. Why? Because we have to become the new creation to understand it. We have to submit to the Holy Spirit before we can know the things of the Spirit. But when we do... 
everything changes. Everything becomes new. And so I think sometimes we sell God short. Woefully short. Because we just want God to make us better people. And we come to God as God make me a better person. God make me happy. God, we, we, we lower the bar so much of like, God, just take care of this and I'm good. And he's like, oh, no, no, down here, none of this is acceptable. I want you to be a new creation. I'm starting over with you. And what I'm going to make you is going to be amazing. What I have made you is amazing. I need you to start striving for that. That's why in the book of Hebrews, it says strive for holiness. It's not a legalistic checklist of, okay, make sure you don't do anything wrong and do all this stuff. He's saying you strive to be the new creation you already are. Strive to live up to who God has made you. But when we don't do that, we sell God short and we set our goals so small. Of God, just make my life make sense to me. That's enough. And God says, oh, no, I want you to change the world. I want you to reach people with the gospel. I want you to be a light shining in the darkness here. I don't want you to be content with your life just being a little more peaceful. I'll give you peace. My word, my life, my spirit is your peace. You have peace. I want you to get a different perspective and live for me. And how do we do that? The gospel is our compass. The gospel is our compass. This is why we come back to Jesus dying on the cross for our sins over and over and over. Because one, we can't hear that too much. But two, it's what orients our thinking. It's how we maintain the right perspective on things. Because the cross and the resurrection and what Jesus did for us is the center point that makes everything work. And that's why Paul, immediately, he takes us right back to it. Notice he says, look, I don't regard anybody according to the flesh anymore. I used to, I don't anymore. Why? Because anyone's in Christ, they're a completely new creation. And then he says in verse 18, and all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Notice he repeated himself there. He talked about the cross and the ministry. Then he talked about the cross and then the ministry. Why? Because this is his center point in life now. This is where he draws everything from. His identity and his purpose are now found completely and entirely in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Completely, his identity and his purpose. He says, I'm a new creation because of what God did in Christ. I do what I do because of what God did in Christ. And so that is what we do. We keep going back to what Jesus has done for us. You see, the truth of the gospel requires us to redefine what is true and what is not. What is real and what is not. What matters and what doesn't matter. 
Paul is an apostle, not by his choosing or the choice of anyone else, but by what? By God's choice. Why? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is like the nuclear explosion that sent a shockwave throughout all of reality. And it is ground zero for everything that we have and everything we will do, everything we will be in God is accomplished through the gospel, through faith in Jesus Christ. And so Paul has a new identity. He went from a persecutor, a murderer, an angry person, a self-righteous person, to what? A humble, apostle, servant, loving, kind, child of God. And that's who he became. And his purpose in life, the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation of what? Man to God. Why? Because God is reconciling humanity with himself through Jesus Christ. When we get to the end of the world, when we get to judgment day, what's going to matter? Jesus said, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, are going to enter into the kingdom. And they'll say, Lord, didn't we do this for you? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we perform this? Didn't I give at church? Didn't I go to church a lot? Didn't I do this? And he's going to say, away from me, I never knew you. The point is faith in Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. It is the source, the, the, the well for everything in life. And when we keep that proper perspective in life, we start to see how everything really is new. When we get that perspective off, we start trying to force our will. We start trying to ask God to live by our rules instead of submitting to his. And that's where we get frustrated. You see, some of you out there right now are trying to bring old perspective in old perspectives into your new life. And some of you are trying to live a new life without having actually been born again. And, and, and both of you are frustrated. Some of you may be born again, but you're still living by that old perspective. You still believe that it's about your effort. You still believe those lies that Satan told you that you're not enough, that you're not good enough, that you have to earn your acceptance with God. Some of you still believe that, and you're still working like crazy to earn God's acceptance. When God says, I've already accepted you, stop. The ways of God are life and peace. And if your spirituality, your religion is not bringing you life and peace, scrap it. Because Jesus is life and peace. Faith in him will bring life and peace. And then he will give you purpose in life just like he did Paul. You will have that identity, that purpose, and he will do the same for you no matter what. And so part of gaining the new perspective in life is that we engage in and do the things that God tells us to do, believing that they're effective, believing that God knows what he's doing. And part of that is that we take the Lord's Supper together. And I mean this. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Now, why do we do it? One, he commanded it. Two, it says that when we do this, we acknowledge the, the death of Christ until he comes. 
It's a reaffirmation of our faith and the covenant that we have with him through grace. Is the fact that we do this together. When we gather, we don't, you know, take it home and get around to it in our own time, right? This is something that happens in the body of Christ. This is something that happens when we are gathered because we are all dependent on him. And the gospel is what? The gospel is the fact that Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross for our salvation. His body and his blood. And if the gospel is the wellspring of life, then everything we can do to to keep ourselves connected, to keep our perspective focused on the gospel of Jesus, is that necessary? So we're going to wait just a second while everybody gets their, uh, their elements. And so the night before his crucifixion, Jesus revealed exactly what the Passover meal meant. And that was that the covenant was going to be fulfilled, that, that our sins were going to be forgiven through his body, through his blood. And so he took the bread and he said, the bread, this is my body, which shall be broken for you. And after he had taken the bread, he took the cup and he says, this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which shall be given for you. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. And so today we acknowledge, we remember the price that Jesus paid for us on the cross by eating of the bread. And drinking of the cup. And so today I want to challenge all of you what, to, to just answer that question for yourself. What is your perspective in life? Are you looking at everything through the lens of Jesus Christ? Everything. Your job, your marriage, your, your parenting, your future plans, your past. Are you looking at your past through the lens of Jesus Christ? Paul did. What did he say? He says, I'm not that anymore. And he moved on. For him, it was an entirely new perspective. And he was able to look at himself in honesty and say, yeah, what I was, I'm not anymore. He was still humble, but he was able to let it go and move on. He says, by God's grace, I am what I am. I don't deserve to be an apostle, but I am. And he accepted who God made him to be. God has wonderful blessings for you. Wonderful power and life, peace, life, ministry for you if you will accept the perspective that he gives. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and God, thank you so much for your grace, your mercy. God, your presence with us. And God, as we go here from from this place, from this building, God, I pray that you use us, God, as your church, as your body to share your light, your love your peace with those around us. God, help us to adopt your perspective daily. God, that we would be able to rejoice with Paul and say all things have been made new. That we are that new creation. God, if there's anyone here who has not accepted you, God, they have not yet been made new. God, I pray that you would convict them, God, that they would ask you to come into their lives. 
that they would put their faith in you and be born again. God, protect each person as they go from here. God, it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Y'all have a wonderful week.